Veni Creator Spiritus, mentes tuorum visita, imple superna gratia, que tu creasti pectora. Come, Holy Ghost, Creator, come from thy bright heavenly throne. Come, take possession of our souls and make them all thine own. Thou who art called the Paraclete, best gift of God above, the living spring, the living fire, sweet unction and true love. Thou Thou who art sevenfold in thy grace, finger of God's right hand, his promise teaching little ones to speak and understand. Through thee may we the Father know, through thee the Eternal Son, and thee the Spirit of them both, thrice blessed three in one. All glory to the Father be with his co-equal Son, the same to thee, great Paraclete, while endless ages run. Amen. When our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ had completed the work his Father had entrusted to him on earth, the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost to complete the saving work of redemption and to remain permanently with the Church as her sanctifier, as well as to be the means by which each member of the Church can have access to the Father. The Church became visible in the world on the day of Pentecost because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There were signs and indications of the Church all throughout human history and the history of the chosen people of Israel. But only at Pentecost did the Church become fully recognisable and visible. This is why, in perhaps a simplistic way, Pentecost is sometimes called the birthday of the Church. Pentecost Sunday this year falls on the 31st of May, the end of the month dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Had today not been a Sunday, in the traditional calendar it would have been the Feast of the Queenship of Mary, and in the new calendar, the Feast of the Visitation of Our Lady to St. Elizabeth. For these reasons it is appropriate to speak something about Our Lady today as well, because she is intimately and uniquely connected with her Son, our Saviour, most particularly in his Paschal Mystery, which is fulfilled at Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If we remember the scenes of the cross and the Passion of the Lord, we would remember that Mary was there the whole time with Jesus. She stood at the cross and witnessed all the suffering of her son, as well as his death. We are told in the Acts of the Apostles 
that she was there with the eleven, devoted in prayer as they awaited the coming of the Holy Spirit. A careful reading of chapter 1 of the Acts of the Apostles has always led the Church to say that Mary was also present with the, by now twelve, Apostles at Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit inaugurated the new age of the Church, she was there as Queen of the Apostles and Mother of the Church. Mary, who is now the new Eve, the mother of the living, is the firm anchor for the church. On Monday in the new calendar, we will honour her under the title of Mother of the Church. Let me pause here and dwell on perhaps a little-known title given to Mary, the Spouse of the Holy Spirit. St. Augustine writes, that Mary was that only one who merited to be called the mother and spouse of God. If we ask who is the father of Jesus in terms of the origin of his conception, it's not Joseph, but the Holy Spirit in one sense and God the Father in another Multiple senses and meanings and applications are common in Holy Scripture. By analogy then, if Jesus' parents were Mary and the Holy Spirit, then by simple analogy it follows that Mary, in this particular sense, in this alone, is the spouse of God, just as she was the mother of God. St. Maximilian Kolbe, one of the martyrs of Auschwitz, had a particularly helpful insight into this. He explains that, as in every human conception where two persons are involved, with the conception of Christ there is one uncreated divine person, the Holy Spirit, and one created human person, Mary, and they are perfectly united in purpose. The conception is supernatural and miraculous, but nevertheless real. And the fruit of this conception, Jesus Christ, is fully divine and fully human, without any confusion or mingling of natures. Always what we say about Mary has an impact on what we say about Christ. So St. Maximilian, in line with St. Francis of Assisi, calls Mary the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Just as she will always take us to her Son, to Jesus through Mary, as St. Louis de Montfort says, Mary will also help us to know, to love and to be docile to the Holy Spirit, who dwelt within her in a unique way, because she was full of grace. So let us now ask a question one which you might say has an obvious answer. Who is the Holy Spirit? Notice first of all that we are talking of a person, a divine person, because the question begins with who, not what. We can speak of what the Holy Spirit does, but never of what the Holy Spirit is. 
The revered Baltimore Catechism tells us that the Holy Spirit is God and is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Thus the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son while proceeding forth into the world from the Father and the Son. Now the Holy Spirit does quite a lot, but to put it a little more theologically, the Holy Spirit is the soul of the Church. Just like the human soul is the principle of life for the human body, such that soul and body together form a living person, so too the Holy Spirit is the principle of every vital and truly saving action in the whole body of Christ, the Church, and in each member of the body of Christ, the Church. Let me list six ways in which the Holy Spirit works to build up and sanctify the Church. First of all, the Holy Spirit works through the inspired Holy Word of God to teach and to elicit a response of understanding, love and insight. Then also the Holy Spirit is active most especially in holy baptism because here he builds up and expands the body of Christ by adding new members. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit works through all the sacraments to give growth and healing to Christ's faithful members. And then too the Holy Spirit continues to bestow the grace of the Apostles on those called to be their successors. The Holy Spirit works through the virtues as well, which makes us act according to what is good and holy. And lastly, the Holy Spirit is active in the many special graces which he bestows on the faithful to make them fit and ready to undertake various tasks for the building up of the church. I'd like to speak a little more now about the sacraments themselves. We would probably all agree that the event of Pentecost, which we hear described in the first reading of the Mass of the Day, was a truly spectacular occasion. With all that was seen, heard and experienced, it caused 3,000 people to be converted, repent of their sins and receive baptism, as we hear in Acts chapter 2. But we would be in error if we think that this is always the way the Holy Spirit either makes himself known or does his work. Since Pentecost, it is through the sacramental signs of Christ's Church that the Holy Spirit carries on the work of the Father and the Son, and this work is the work of sanctification, of making people holy. So each sacrament can be called, in a sense, a Pentecost event, each in its own manner, because each sacrament only occurs because of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. As well, each sacrament is a sign that actively makes present the salvation that Jesus Christ won for us. Each sacrament, if you like, opens a window to allow the glory of heaven to be experienced in this life, on this earth. I'd like to make this somewhat clearer in talking about three sacraments, baptism, confirmation and ordination. First of all, holy baptism. The first Christian baptisms after that of Christ himself, of course, and of the apostles themselves, 
took place on the day of Pentecost, when those 3,000 I mentioned before were baptised. Baptism from those earliest days of the Church has always been open to those who believe in Jesus, or in the case of children whose parents believe in Christ. As we hear in the New Testament, often whole families were baptised at once. However, baptism is not just an initiation ritual. As St Paul teaches us, the one being baptised enters through holy baptism into a real communion with Christ's death, is buried with him and rises with him. Ponder that for a moment. How could this be if not for the Holy Spirit? Our human capacities cannot transport us back in time even if we wish to. No, baptism is a reality that happens in the metaphysical order, not in the natural order of this world. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in the soul of the one who is baptised, so that he or she becomes adopted by grace into the inner family life of God. The sacrament of confirmation is the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit on each person who who receives this Holy Sacrament, as it was once granted to the Apostles on the very day of Pentecost. It increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit within us and unites us more firmly to Christ. The Holy Spirit gives to each person confirmed special strength to spread and defend our holy faith by word and action as true witnesses to Christ and to speak his name boldly and to never be ashamed of the cross. The sacrament of holy orders is conferred upon those who become deacons, priests and bishops. Bishops and priests share in the priesthood of Christ, each order in its own way. Deacons share in the ministry of service. No one is called to these orders except those Christ chooses through his church. To each level or degree of holy orders, the Holy Spirit imparts a special outpouring through the laying on of hands and for bishops and priests and anointing with holy chrism. These outward signs and actions signify the passing on of the gifts first received from the Holy Spirit by the Apostles on the day of Pentecost, and kept alive in the church according to Christ's express wish. One reason that I speak only of these three sacraments in a little more detail, out of the whole seven, is that these three imprint on the soul of the one who receives them an indelible spiritual mark, what is called a spiritual character. This character is the seal of the Holy Spirit by which Jesus Christ marks forever this person with power from on high. This is why, as I have said before, that the one who is marked by this sacred seal is different from those who have not received it. And for this we should always be grateful to the Father and to the Son who have marked us with their Holy Spirit. Because we have been changed, transformed and refigured, 
we should always strive to keep alive the grace of baptism by a holy life, the grace of confirmation by an effective witness to Christ, and for those ordained, a worthy exercise of their sacramental ministry. Pentecost Day marks a new beginning in the history of God's intervention and activity in the world. The new era begun on this day is the age of the Church, because from the day of Pentecost until now, and for as long as human history continues, the way that Christ makes present and communicates his work of salvation is through the Church, until he comes again. This age in which we live is marked by the presence of Christ not in signs as in the Old Testament, not in physical presence as during his 33 years on earth, but in and through his church, his Catholic Church. The role of the Holy Spirit is to continually sanctify the church, not just once as at Pentecost, but day by day, And moment by moment does the Holy Spirit bestow holiness upon the Church. Through the Church's sacraments, Christ gives to his people his holy and sanctifying spirit to nourish them, to give them life, and to join them with his self-offering to the Father. The Holy Spirit dwells in those who believe, and he pervades and rules over the whole Church. He acts through the sacraments and through the sacred liturgy. This is why the Holy Mass and the sacraments are so important. It is the way that Christ becomes present. It is the way he has chosen to communicate with us. They are as essential to our life as blood is to our bodily life. No blood, no life, no sacraments, no Christ. O come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth.